0: This week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss Rideout Storm 0558, a look at the techniques for unauthorized email access. Next up, Nothing net. Ukraine takes down massive bot farm and seizes 150,000 SIM cards. And our fun game, Gold Guidance and Grievances. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number one hundred sixty-two, recorded on July twenty-fourth, twenty twenty-three. I'm your co-host, Callie Storm Chaser Funzel. With me is co-host Taylor. Your lost MSA sign and keys are always in the last place you look. Wilkes Pierce. And last but not least, Tim Sims, like a win to me, Helming. All right, welcome everybody.
1: Hello. Hello. How's Callie. everything going? Yes. It, everything's going well. I Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. Are you, in fact, an actual storm chaser?
0: I'm not. <laughs> oh. You
1: live in the Midwest.
0: Yeah, I know. You, you, it's...
1: you live in a good place for that. I mean I know. not quite as good as Kansas, you know.
0: I know. It seems like I should. This should be something that I just kind of do on the side, but it is not, unfortunately. I
1: I mean, you know, for for the sake of not being uh, parties to something dangerous, our official uh, stance is, of course, nobody should be a storm chaser. That's dangerous, but it does look pretty fun, I have to admit.
0: I think that's, you know, like that's just something because it is a job, right? It's not just like something that people do, right?
1: I don't know if you would call it a job. I mean, there's the there's there is the job of like the NASA people that fly planes through the middle of hurricanes.
0: OK, that...
1: that's oh, yeah. that's got to be really quite a ride. Um, but can you imagine the newbies? You know, the first flights, uh, uh, the first time somebody does that. <laughs> there must be, I mean, you could think there's a like a hazing ritual, but I think it's sort of self hazing.
0: Yeah. For sure, I just thought it was a job too because, like, I just remember a girl that I went to elementary school with. She's like, "When I grow up, I'm going to be a storm chaser," and that's that has stayed with me because Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Wow, like, I just wanted to be a veterinarian," and like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) no, I'm pretty sure all of officialdom like strongly discourages people from chasing storms. Okay.
2: (laughs) Okay. Also, uh, I've been told not to chase waterfalls
0: you should not uh you should leave them what is it in the rivers that you're used to
2: i think that's what i'm gonna do
0: you should do that
1: i am so lost
0: <laughs> it's, it's a tlc <laughs> okay. reference uh, okay <laughs> don't go chasing waterfalls
1: uh, yeah
0: and also uh no scrubs
1: <laughs> this oh. this week on Tim doesn't get a cultural reference <laughs> on Breaking Badness. No, or,
0: or you could be like, or this week on Tim actually is like living his life.
2: Yeah. <laughs> our, our cultural reference from 1996.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't. I don't know. Why do I know that one? Because I was eight.
2: Very popular song. I think. It was a popular yeah.
0: song. Yeah. hill. <laughs> I mean, we're going to we're going to definitely go on tangents for some more, but we should we should talk about what's going on in InfoSec, shouldn't we? Do we have to? We should.
1: Okay, should we, uh, we could we could briefly <laughs> we should probably observe, if nothing else, the uh, passing of Kevin Mitnick, which is oh, not yeah. all the stories we're doing, but um, that was definitely in. InfoSec News in a big way, of course, this week. And uh, my favorite Kevin Mitnick story that I learned that I had not known was that for the while, the, the government put him not just in prison, but I think in solitary because they were literally afraid he could use a phone, dial into NORAD, and start World War Three. Wow. Thanks, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know that reference we had to watch that in school
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah wow that's i i know very little about kevin mitnick actually be, you know and you know just because you know again if you're a newer listener i am also newer to the infosec community so you know unfortunately i, I don't have a lot of insight about him but yeah like do, do you want to share you know one or two other you know, favorite things that you know about him, uh, Taylor and Tim, or I think that would be, that'd be really fun and and nice for his memory.
1: I mean, from, from my perspective, uh, one of the things that I always thought was the most interesting about him was that, and a lot of people listening probably know this already, but in case you don't, that he, he started out as a freaker, uh, a phone hacker and hacking the analog phone system was a really interesting set of activities. And, uh, you know, there's a a magazine called 2600. Mm -hmm. um, And the name of the magazine is a reference to a 2600 hertz tone, which was a signaling tone in the phone system that when you sounded that tone, you could then open up access to do interesting control kinds of things that average people aren't supposed to do. And it turned out that there was a whistle that was, I believe, a Captain Crunch yep. cereal box prize whistle that happened to produce a tone of 2,600 Hertz. And this led to all kinds of shenanigans, but Kevin Mitnick was famously a, uh, a freaker, I think before he started getting into computer stuff.
0: Wow. That's really interesting. I, uh, I also saw his, his wife's lovely, um, tribute on on twitter it was is very well written very heartfelt i honestly was kind of welling up behind my computer reading it um but yeah very very big loss in the community and and he'll be missed um, well now we're gonna talk about some articles right <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now I don't, from lighthearted me. I don't know yeah enough yeah. now that we have totally buzz killed.
0: The I don't, show. I don't know how to gracefully carry us into the next part. Uh,
1: Kevin would have wanted us to talk yeah, about it. yeah, stories. yeah. How
0: about he, he would yeah. have wanted that. okay, so we'll First. we'll do that because uh, we're we're gonna have to continue to give you know bad people bad days. Uh, so yeah, so earlier in July, um, Microsoft shared two blogs relating to the threat actor that's tracked as Storm0558. Um, they have since been mitigated, but the investigation is ongoing. And today we're talking about observed techniques the group used to obtain unauthorized access to email data, tools, and unique infrastructure characteristics. Um, so Taylor, there are probably a few people that are unaware of this group. Um, can you describe them a bit for for our audience?
2: Yeah, and, and so I think you know it's worth noting that a lot of what we're going to talk about here is is coming straight from Microsoft, as they are the platform that this occurred on, uh, and you know so they're they have their view of this actor group. So they call they call them Storm Zero Five Five Eight. Uh, so they they uh, assess them to be a China-based threat actor, and that's based off of the timestamps. So when they can see them working uh, on on their um, various nefarious evil deeds, um, but they uh, see overlaps with other uh, China-based threat groups, and so you know that that's part of that assessment from their side. And they also can assess that from the targeting actions. So. Uh, you know, the, this is uh, a group that like it's targeting uh, media companies, think tanks. Um, you know, these are more looking more for espionage and, and you know trying to get into email inboxes and things like that than uh, you know say a, a group that's looking to deploy ransomware all over the place, right?
0: Is there? This is a dumb question. Uh, probably, is, there's no way to change your timestamp. Is there like I'm sure like if there was like like we would have no way of attribution or or can yeah just talk talk me off this ledge now that I've that I've put myself onto. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, there's there's timestamps of when you're working on things and there's timestamps of when things get uploaded to places and there's thought lots of timestamps and lots of time, like even trying to change them you know uh, uh, trying to fake it is it can be tricky uh, so. Yeah, you know, like their kind of assessment is based off of like the activity on the uh, development side. So when that stuff is occurring.
0: Okay, cool. Anyway, (laughs) how how is this group obtaining uh, the credentials for access to, to these victim networks? (laughs)
2: <laughs> like there's like a, a long answer to this and a short answer to this. <laughs> and and I'm, uh, I'm
0: looking for something in the middle.
2: Yeah, we'll go in the middle. <laughs> right. Now, So like the long short answer is that, A, that, like the, there are some key questions about this that have yet to be answered um, from the Microsoft side. You know, they've gotten a little more in depth, but over the last couple of days, there are some other orgs, security research orgs that are looking at the report from Microsoft and they're saying hey, there may be more to this than what Microsoft is letting on in terms of what level of access um, you know, the, the attackers here had while, you know, while they had it. So in this case, they used a, an acquired key. And Microsoft. I'll use Microsoft's uh, kind of nomenclature here first. The actor used an acquired MSA key to forge tokens to access OWA, which is Outlook Web Access, and Outlook.com. Um, and so, you know, these are like, so they're saying like, Hey, you know, these are issued from separate systems and, and should only be used for their respective systems. So it is really curious as to how someone is able to get this key and then get into, you know, what looks to be dozens or so of government, uh, related accounts. Um, so that, that seems a little problematic. Um, but yeah, so like, again, there's not a ton of detail here, there's a lot, but there's a lot of detail in terms of how they discovered it and what they're doing on the mitigation side. Um, And they've enumerated some more of the tactics and the techniques and then some of the infrastructure that they kind of burned while they were observing this. But it's really interesting to note that Microsoft didn't discover this on their own. a customer brought it to them. So uh, it wasn't something they picked up. It was a customer that saw uh, some odd access patterns and decided to bring it up with Microsoft and then Microsoft then did a deep dive and realized that someone had stolen kind of a, a an important key, a key for other keys um in in this sense.
1: They must love it when that happens when they find out that way.
2: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> cool. So um so the article mentions that uh one of the malware families that uh Storm 0558 uses mm-hmm. is known as um and please correct me if I'm wrong on the pronunciation, but Sigril?
2: Sigril. Yeah, I saw so, that. You Sigril.
0: Know, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, there isn't a ton of data on this on this one, not a lot of info on Sigril. Um, but it does okay. appear that it's using like, the way that dynamic link libraries get loaded. It's abusing those, the order of them to basically break out and do things. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So they've also got a lot of PowerShell scripts and Python scripts. And so they're doing lots of um, decryption of stuff out of the mailboxes and yeah.
0: Okay. gotcha. Okay. Um, So actually you had already answered a question that I had, which was, you know, how did Microsoft make this discovery? But it's actually the customer that made the discovery. How often do you think things like that actually occur where the customer finds something before you know the company in question does it happen a lot or is this kind of an anomaly would you say
2: oh i mean in terms of incident like <laughs> like for microsoft specifically yeah uh, let, let,
0: let's do it there because it feels yeah. like a, like an easy, maybe a
2: little bit of an easier answer. Yeah, I'd probably be talking out of turn. I'll be honest. I, I wouldn't. I mean, like my guess is there's probably a fair mix, um, especially when it comes to like fishing and stuff like that. That stuff's almost always going to be user, or well, not always, because um, you could see like login patterns and where things are coming from. But I'm sure like someone saying like, "Hey, I got fished," <laughs> it's something that happens, uh, and not a not so insignificant number of times for them.
0: <laughs> I don't. Yeah, and I only asked because I like uh Tim's answer of all. They must love finding out that way. Yeah. So, so I'm just like, does it? Does that mean it's you know, a little more you know, embarrassing to find out that way? Or uh-huh. I, either one yeah. of you can answer. <laughs> it,
2: it, it's. Uh, I'll, I'll. It's not a great look. Uh, uh. Right. Like, I'm sure they would have much rather discover the A, not have the kind of unfortunate chain of events happen to begin with. Although, again, the tricky part here from all of us on the outside looking in is that because they don't really say where the MSA key came from, the, you know, the one that was used to kind of spawn off access to this. It, it's really tricky. Like, did you know, it, was it something that the customer left behind? Was there a bug in the way that they accepted certificates from like on-prem stuff, you know? It just, there's a lot of like kind of questions there. Now they do kind of go in and say like, hey, here's how we made sure that we got everything uh, related to this type of activity. So they were pretty, um, you know, some of the stuff there is like, hey, we found you know, we were able to exa- see exact because this stuff was so uniquely used that also stood out like a sore thumb once we were looking for it, right? Uh, and knew what to look for. We were able to find it all and root it
1: all out.
0: Cool. Thanks, Tay. Yeah. So so this so this article ended with you know dis, you know discussing that you know this has been mitigated um, but do customers need to take any action coming out of these findings or are there are there next steps to be mindful
2: of uh, you know uh, according to microsoft no customer action is required to mitigate the token forgery technique or the validation error in owa or outlook.com so they've said they've mitigated the uh, issue on their customer's behalf. And so they've stopped accepting tokens, uh, which generated the token uh, or you know allowed the, the token to be used. So they blocked that and they blocked the usage of other tokens that are signed with the acquired MSA key. But it still doesn't like, you know, Microsoft revoked all the MSA signing, which were valid at the time of the incident, <laughs> including the one that they had acquired. So, yeah, you know, maybe they've found a way to. At least make it so that you can't go in this particular window again. But, um, you know, it seems like there's a lot of windows.
1: There well, they did sort of semi tantalizingly mm-hmm. say that they will take additional steps. But they, you know, that's all they say. So yeah. to protect customers. So what are those additional steps? We don't yeah. know
0: we'll find out tbd and so
1: yeah
2: and, and just within the last couple of days are the reports from the wiz.io security team um, saying like hey you know it might not have just been outlook and owa it could have been a lot of other uh, apps in there as well yeah and yeah.
0: we'll we'll keep an eye on that and you know see how that you know continues to unfold if if anything else is is reported but um you know, maybe uh, this leads us nicely into the hoodie rating scale, which again, if uh, if you're a newer listener and you're unfamiliar, um, you know, after we you know discuss these articles, we give them a hoodie rating and the hoodie comes from the stereotypical image of the hacker in a hoodie. Um, so the scale is one to 10, 10 being, um, you know, oh my gosh, worst end of days, uh, And uh, one is, you know, it's it's fine. You can you can go about your life and everything's fine ish. Uh, But, uh, you know, hearing, you know, Taylor go over this. uh, We'll start with you, Tim. Um, Where do you think this lands on the hoodie scale?
1: I am hard pressed to remember a recent article that we've done where Tay had to say more than one time you know there's not a lot of detail on this so uh it is a bit hard to evaluate it seems like if we take microsoft at their word and i don't think there's i don't i'm not implying that they're being disingenuous on it it's just uh the question of what unknowns remain um seems like this is a pretty low hoodie event because they've mitigated it uh the implications of this kind of access um are a little more Concerning, But I'll provisionally, I'm going to be optimistic and say, you know, in the absence of knowing that there are other issues here and acknowledging that Microsoft said somewhat mysteriously that they'll be taking additional steps to protect customers, I'm going to go with three hoodies.
0: That seems fair. I like that. That's a nice number for this. Also, Taylor, I think you're a fan of picking the articles that have like a cliffhanger ending. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well you know, for this particular incident, Microsoft telling us they closed the door on it. So that is good to know and right, good a fair thing to take into account when we're thinking about hoodie ratings.
0: Yeah, but saying that they're gonna keep yeah an eye out like, you know, like that's like opening the door for the sequel.
2: Yeah, it is true. that like we are, There's a lot of times where we do not get initial access for things, right? Where we don't see kind of how things started. We just like, sometimes it's because again, you get called in, like the folks who are handling an intrusion or breach or an incident like this are getting called in and they, you know, the logs that may give them that information may have been cycled, right? So these folks, like the, they're saying access was initially granted in mid-May and, you know, they were, had awareness raised to them about a month later. So, you know, it. it could be tricky at that point so you know there's a lot of really great folks there that are um, you know uh do, doing their best in, in trying to keep customers secure so it it there's a, a lot they have they have said a lot uh, you know i, I don't want to, folks to think like that you know microsoft is um you know being shady here no <laughs> no you know no. there's a lot of information in their report they've published a few reports and you know the Fair often we're all just trying to figure the stuff out, right? So um, it, it is interesting the other security teams coming out today saying like, "Hey, maybe there." Or in the last couple of days, and there may have been more access there. So for me, that bumps it up maybe another. Like I'm gonna go four point one three hoodies. Four point
0: one three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's is that a hoodie and a drawstring?
2: Um. So yeah it's it's a hoodie and then. Like just the bottom like part of the hoodie, you know, like the like the elastic kind of waistbandy thing. around. Mm,
0: OK, OK. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Makes it a little more of a fitted hoodie. OK, perfect. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thanks, Tate. Uh, this, this was good. We'll we'll take a quick break.
1: That would and then be an we'll awkward be back. Uh, hoodie to wear. I, well,
0: it is. One. Yeah, it's a pretty awkward hoodie. Well, I was hoodie. thinking if
2: you have just that one kind of it's almost like a belt or you could bring it up like a bandolier, you know, um so you have oh, four yeah, hoodies created and then, and then just one kind of a belt off of a hoodie.
0: At some point we're gonna have to like do like a bit where we have to you have to make the hoodie that you're ah. you're talking about, and then you have to wear it, and then I post it on social. Wow. Yeah.
1: Suddenly breaking badness gets complicated. <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot of sewing lessons ahead of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to I have to loan Taylor my, my sewing machine and give him the limited knowledge that I know.
1: We used to have a guy who worked for us who was a tailor.
0: No way.
1: Yeah. He tailored his own shirts.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Like that was just like a he would hobby. He able
1: to do this easily. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Really? Like, I'm so jealous. I want to be able to do that.
2: <laughs> we'll have to yeah, light up he, the alumni bat signal. Yeah.
0: If, if that person's listening, please uh, please, please contact me. <laughs> please, come want, please come back. Please come
2: back. We'd like to commission a, a, <laughs> a hoodie of sorts.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back uh, to talk about our next article. So stay tuned.
1: Hello, audience. Thanks for being here. We'll get you right back to the show, but in the meantime, we've got a small favor to ask. While you're relaxing in that hammock or kicking back on that long flight or doing whatever you do while you listen to podcasts, would you consider taking a quick moment and leaving us a rating on your favorite podcast platform? It helps us get the 10 chocolate chip goodie word out about breaking badness. And hey, if you like it, maybe your friends will too. So take just another moment and tell a friend about the show. Thanks in advance, and now let's dive back into the cyber mayhem.
0: All right, we are back. Welcome back, everybody. What would you do during the break?
1: Yeah, uh, I wrote a novel.
0: Oh wow, that's great. How long is it?
1: Uh, Five hundred and fifty-eight pages.
0: Oh my gosh, that's Goblet of Fire length. Yeah. What about what about you, Tay? What did you
1: inspired. do?
2: You're surprised. uh the dog came over and I petted the dog in the head. So not not the same as writing a five hundred page novel. It's pretty impressive. This doesn't
1: doesn't come across on the uh on the webinar uh, webinar. What are we doing? We're doing a podcast, right? <laughs> Webinars are a different thing. Uh this doesn't come across on the podcast, but Taylor has the best dog.
0: <laughs> I I bet. I've seen pictures of your dog, Tay. And sometimes <laughs> I just yeah, sometimes uh Jojo will burst onto the scene if you're on a call, but most of the time, uh, pretty well behaved. But I'd I'd love to. She is
1: super well behaved.
0: I would love to see her more, though. Like she could make more. The next
2: time you're in Seattle, she'll come to the office with me and we'll all work. We'll do the podcast in person with Jojo. We'll we'll mic her up and everything.
0: Oh, I'd love her hoodie rating. (laughs) That's cute all right well we're actually gonna pivot a little bit from talking about uh i mean we're still talking about bad guys but we're talking about some some good some good stuff that we're gonna end up with some goodies instead of hoodies at the end of this um but the cyber police department um of the national police of ukraine dismantled another massive bot farm linked to more than a hundred individuals after searches at almost two dozen locations um so yeah this is this is great uh for Ukraine. Um Tim this is what they're saying is another dismantling of a bot farm by Ukraine. So so how often do they have to do this?
1: Another day another bot farm. Uh well this is at least the fourth time that they've done this uh since the invasion. Um unsurprisingly Russia doesn't just roll over and do the right thing and and go off and engage in some other more productive activity. When one of these bot farms gets taken down, they just keep going. Um, So other occasions for this were in August and September of 2022. And then there was another one of these takedowns prior to that. Um, And those are the only ones that this particular article, which we're linking to, mentions. But it's certainly possible that there were more. Um, And in one of those previous ones, there were at least a million bots so, bots are everywhere.
0: That's too many bots.: They're Everywhere.
1: That's too many bots.
0: Wait, I don't like that. Who let them all in there?
2: Who let them out? <laughs> let the bots well,
1: out?: Who let the bots out? <laughs> well you know
2: that one, but you don't know, don't come chasing waterfalls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I't can't, I can't explain.:
0: It's OK. We'll just have to make you a playlist uh, catch you up later.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
0: We will. Uh, we're we're going to get you there. Um, Tim, is the purpose of every bot farm? Uh, well, in this. So in this article, they, you know, they talked about how the this particular bot farm is pushing, you know, propaganda amongst other things. But is that the purpose of every bot farm or are are there other reasons to, to implement those?
1: Oh, gosh. You know, bot farms have been around for many years. Uh, as a matter of fact, we talked about one of the other very popular uses of bot farms on a very recent episode. They are how DDoS attacks are carried out. You know, you recruit thousands or millions of machines into your bot army, and then you uh, set them loose on whatever you're trying to DDoS. So uh, bot farms are very much like real farms in that there are tractors and plows and uh, cows. And wait, uh, no, but there are various objectives kind of like real farms have various crops uh, that these bot farms are intended for. So, you know, there was a benevolent bot farm that I participated in once upon a time, and maybe one or both of you did too. Of course, I'm talking about SETI, the Search mm-hmm. for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which is- SETI, 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 yeah, SETI at home.
0: Right? SETI, SETI Osmond. at home,
1: right. SETI Osmond of the
0: Cavaliers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <No>. so, uh <laughs> So that was a bot farm of sorts, but of course, a, uh, a very, cool one i don't know whatever happened to that project but i think it got shut down Uh,
2: everyone started mining crypto instead
1: yeah that's right wait a minute i can make money uh, (laughs) using my computer for things besides my own computing um so anytime essentially you need a large distributed set of computing resources to use for nefarious purposes that could be considered a bot farm. But I think in the popular parlance, this is usually talking about these uh, sets of phony accounts that are set up to comment on social media and so forth, and to spread misinformation and, uh, you know, the kind of propaganda that you're talking about. So these are all over the place. I mean, these are just ones in this article that we're talking about that are targeting Ukraine. But of course... I wasn't kidding when I said bots are everywhere. Uh we've all seen <laughs> plenty of articles and plenty of evidence um of these bots uh being all over social media. They are one of the really disgusting kind of consequences of the way that uh the way that the internet is these days.
0: Yeah, for sure. As as you we're mentioning bot farm and and what they're used for like crops like what what do you think like a bot farm to table would look like
1: oh well that's a really good uh that's an interesting idea i don't know yeah. it's, uh farm fresh propaganda hooked up <laughs> just for you
0: locally grown
1: and Lo- harvested homegrown grown yep locally harvested within 100 miles propaganda that's hyper local
0: it's fresh and they serve it on the highway road. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, are, are those who operate bot farms typically Russian or? And I mean, in this in this scenario with this particular um, conflict, are, are they typically Russian or are they more or do is it sometimes that they're trees, more treasonous Ukrainians?
1: Well, as far as I can tell, uh, this is all Russian. Um, there There probably are some isolated instances of Ukrainians that are actually more uh loyal to Russia than Ukraine who are participating in this kind of thing. But no, this is this is really a Russian set of operations. Okay. And um yeah, so uh that's, I don't have anything yeah. else to say about No, that.
0: that's okay. <laughs> I I thought of this question because I was I was specific like, did did you did you or Tay play Age of Empires at all in the 90s? Oh, of course, yeah. So I remember I'm playing Age of Empires and I have an alliance with one of my friends, and he sets up a camp in my like community, and then he mm. he switched sides and Ooh. started, and like I I didn't notice it at all. It started attacking my own people. But because like we had an alliance or you know, because.
1: Or so you thought. I,
0: yeah. So I was just like, I was wondering if this is similar to that.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> have you and that friend stayed friends?
0: We are no longer friends. That was actually my, my high school boyfriend. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> We're no longer together.
1: That's an it was entirely the appropriate response.
0: It was because of this entirely.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. much like that, I don't think we're going to see Russia and Ukraine become friends True. Uh, in the future either. Uh, so, yeah, no, we're putting this one on, on Russia. Okay,
0: gotcha. So, when dismantling a bot farm, is it always a physical act? Like in this instance, it sounds like they searched several cities in, in Ukraine and seized computer equipment. And mobile phones, SIM cards, you know, et cetera. You know, does a takedown like this always mean taking physical hardware?
1: Well, when you're trying to accomplish certain kinds of objectives, you have to make it appear that the source of, you know, the propaganda, the accounts, the users, whatnot, are unique and actually separate individual items. So, for this kind of bot farm as well as in in other cases for um more uh mundane or legitimate purposes it often takes a fleet of actual devices and so in this case you know they seized these 150,000 sim cards so that you could have unique devices so to speak that were part of the uh the botnet so yeah i think it's uh it's very common that these seizures are going to involve actual physical devices. But, you know, some bots can be shut down when the... Back to what I was saying about there are different kinds of bot farms or bot armies or whatnot. When it's something that's malware that is exploiting a vulnerability or something like that, of course, by neutralizing the vulnerability or the malware itself, you can effectively take down that botnet. But in the parlance that we're thinking of with these bot farms, uh, there usually are devices. And in some cases, you know, sets of people, I mean, this is where actual operations of, uh, uh, human controllers of accounts and whatnot that also get arrested, taken down, et cetera. So, uh, so yeah, it's in this kind of bot farm, pretty often you are, the answer will be yes. You will have physical seizure of devices in order to actually dismantle it.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Very interesting. Um, I think this might be our final question before we uh, we adjourn to gold guidance and grievances. Um, and this is purely speculation at this point, but it wouldn't be an episode of Breaking Badness if we didn't speculate a little. Um this probably won't be the last time Ukraine has to dismantle a bot farm will it?
1: I uh I think the smart money is on no. This isn't <laughs> the last time. They're probably working on doing the next one right now. Um and so yeah, we can keep our eyes out. Um this is going to be an ongoing process. It's a process, it's a journey.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Okay, well, um so in the meantime we can we can celebrate this win for, for Ukraine um, with our goodies system, which in contrast to the hoodie system, the goodies is like if we gave um, warm, delicious cookies out for the goodness that is happening in the InfoSec community. Um, and again, it's on a one to 10 scale. 10 is you know super great. Lots of ooey gooey cookies, possibly from Crumble. Um and then one is um, why you get half a cookie or, you know, like kind of like a stale cookie. And that's not that it's good, but it's not great. Um, so, Taylor, we'll start with you this time. What, what do you think uh, this deserves in terms of ooey gooey
2: cookies? Uh, I think two and a half. Two and a half? Two and a half. OK, why, why is that? Like you just mentioned, there's going to be another one of these things. <laughs> they are like playing whack-a-mole. Uh, I mean, okay, we'll go. We'll go three and a half. This is this is a little more disruptive.
0: Oh, good. Nice. I'm glad I. Bu- <laughs> I'm glad I bullied you into giving a half more <laughs> of the cookie.
1: Is that really half, the yeah. answer you want to give? And a whole <laughs> extra cookie.
0: Yeah. Wow, try. Why do you want to try that again?
1: Best and final. That's my best and final.
2: Four and a half cookies.
0: Four. You said four and a half cookies. Okay. Four. Yeah. yeah. And a half cookies. All right. But really, like, if you're going to just give a half a cookie, might as well just give the whole cookie.
2: No, it's exactly down the middle, though. It's (laughs) tough.
1: It's like these days, you know, when they're when somebody brings donuts or cookies or something to an office, uh, there are there are always those people who won't eat a whole one, or at least they won't eat a whole one all at once. Or when right. nobody's looking, so they'll cut it in half or in quarters or whatever. I'm not some that people person. Think those, those people are evil. Um, I don't, I, quite, I don't I, quite think that's... I
0: don't think they're evil. I think they're just mistaken.
1: It's a little strong. Because
0: I won't do that. I'm like, you know what? We're here for the whole cookie.
1: Evil isn't the right way to put it. But some people <laughs> think that's just a uh, a really... A really twisted behavior.
0: I just feel sad for you if you're just like going to deny yourself the rest of that.
1: Mm, Yeah. If it's a really big donut or, you know, Mm -hmm. cinnamon roll or something like that, that's got like a thousand calories in that one object, then, yeah, that's a little more appropriate.
2: I might cut it. Like a top pot bear claw, right? Ooh. Yeah. I might cut
0: it in half, but I'm returning to it. I'm not letting <laughs> like I like well, I am not gonna yeah. like leave that for someone else. Wait, oh no no, no. Of, of course
1: <laughs> everybody knows you know when you're eating something that has a lot of calories if you break it into small pieces and eat those small pieces one at a time it has fewer calories everybody knows that yeah
2: like mini yeah,
0: muff- see, yeah mini muffins they fall
2: the calories fall off when you break it into so many pieces yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right well
0: well Tim what about you like how how many cookies
1: I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm feeling somewhere between generous and, you know, optimistic. I mean, we just need to see some wins, you know, Mm -hmm. in the world these days. So, yeah, so I was I was going to start at five and I don't know. I mean, you could probably talk me higher than that, but uh, wait till you hear what kind of goodies these five goodies are. They are warm, fresh out of the oven, chocolate chip goodies. And as I've uh, been consistent about. I like mine sort of Mexican chocolate style, so there's a little bit of cinnamon in there mm. with the uh, with the chocolate chips in these particular goodies that
0: sounds amazing that? yeah mm. that's what a treat if we yes, were
1: now I'm incredibly hungry
0: we this is <laughs> just like one of i I like being in the midwest I like where I am. But, you know, if we were together, I would be making like a lot of snacks for y'all cuz I like to bake and cook and would like to share with you.
1: And none of us would complain.
2: No, yeah, those would uh it's like so, in a big office when folks bring things in, you can share the calorie burden across everyone. I feel like that's great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah true. That's yeah, that's
0: amazing. So maybe someday I'll get to I'll get to share my work with y'all, but um, yeah, th- thanks, Tim, for going over this. This was great. Um,
1: we look forward to that day.
0: Yeah. Um, let's let's pivot uh, as we as we get to the conclusion of the show. Uh, gold guidance and grievances. What do you say?
1: Let's do that.
0: Yeah. So so anybody that's you know new to our show, gold guidance and grievances is uh, the segment where uh, we share you know, something that's good within the industry right now um, that we're really excited about, um, guidance, of course, you know, any advice, any practical advice that we might have uh, for for others and then uh, grievances uh, Very speaks for itself. It's, you know, anything that maybe we want to complain about, uh, anything that's grinding our gears. Uh, so um, Taylor, why don't we start with you?
2: okay let's see um <laughs> uh gold uh there was a really neat little hp calculator emulator that i found um <laughs> uh, we could through we could throw a link in there um, so,
1: what does it run on
2: uh they've got mac uh windows and just python source too nice yeah hp 45 uh, I'll, I'll drop the link
1: into the chat. think you're allowed to bring that into the SATs.
2: <laughs> just the Python code for it. You actually run it on a TIE.
1: <laughs> well, no, you're, you're, you know, your computer. Cause you're naturally just using it to run the, uh, calculator.
2: <laughs> exactly. The whole thing. <laughs> it's the bare metal calculator. Uh, let's see. Guidance. I, you know, um, I don't know, look, look, check the, see if there's any missing MSA keys hanging around and look for them <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and they're, they're probably under to... something they're in the last care. place yeah, that, that you right look
2: yeah, so. mm. always the <laughs> last place you look uh, and, and grievance I think I'll go with uh, I'll, I'll, we said at the top of the show but it's hard not to, to think about Kevin Mitnick and, and his family um, and yeah I'll go with that hearts okay. go out to, to Kevin's friends and family and uh, Luminary will be missed Yep.
0: Yeah, for sure. Gold guidance and grieving. Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know how to pivot into Tim now.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm so sorry.
1: I'll just do my gold guidance and grievances. Okay. How about that? I'll That's just go right there.
0: That sounds fair. All
1: right. So gold, uh, a little bit of a two for just a couple of, environmental things that I saw that I thought were kind of cool. One of them is that there are, as I understand, there are now plans to build uh, solar panel covered irrigation canals. This would be in California and Arizona. So, you know, the, uh, the water is flowing down these canals and normally it's so hot there, a lot of that water evaporates. And of course, the solar energy that's evaporating that water isn't doing anything uh, useful either. So what if we covered these uh canals with solar panels so that's going to reduce the amount of water that evaporates out of those and get it onto the crops and it's going to generate some power so so i like that idea um so i hope that uh comes to pass and then the other one that looked pretty cool was um, a new method of producing hydrogen with over 90 percent efficiency um and so it's done without uh Without carbon dioxide emissions, but it's still very efficient. So uh, there are a lot of things that could potentially run on hydrogen in a greener future. So this uh, this research, which comes out of Tel Aviv University, uh, looks pretty interesting. Uh, it's not going to change the world, but I thought it was a nice little little piece of gold. So there's awesome. that one grievance. My guidance and grievances are are the sort of turning on the same story in this case. And the I'll do the grievance first and then I'll do the guidance. Um, And uh, this grievance has to do with something uh, that Google has proposed called web environment integrity. And when you read it, at first it seems like a good idea because it's trying to it it states that it's trying to boost the trust um, of the client so that uh, websites can um, properly serve up to uh, uh, actual human clients and human clients that they know who they are. That all sounds fine, but the reality is this appears to be an end run around ad blocking. And uh, there's a very significant fear that I think is, is legitimate. It's basically bringing DRM into the browser and it could potentially make ad blocking very, very difficult. Um, and, you know, some people are saying this is the end of the open web. I don't know. I don't know enough to know for sure if that's a an accurate prediction. Also, some people say that the end of the open web has already happened um, and with some reasonable evidence to support that idea. Um, But my guidance is get yourself educated on this uh, because it's important. And so some people are saying you got to move to Firefox for everything. All the Chrome and Chromium based browsers are going to be part of this problem. Um, But there are reasonable contentions to be made that um, just moving to Firefox probably isn't going to solve this. And there's no way that you're going to get the The whole web using community to switch over to Firefox, that's not going to happen. So get yourself educated about this. And uh, um, there may be some ways to resist and protest it. And I think that's probably worth doing. So, boo, down with uh, web environment integrity, even though it theoretically sounds good.
0: Yeah, boo, hiss.
1: (laughs) Maybe as a result of this podcast, they'll change their minds and not do it
0: that'd be cool this is an award-winning podcast a little signal
1: boost from tom hanks probably wouldn't hurt Uh, yep gotta get on that typewriter for him Mm. well have we done it we did it we reached have we reached the logical conclusion of this award-winning podcast we
0: have it it goes by so fast you know um but yeah we we have uh we've reached the end and um Next week's episode is going to probably look a little bit different. It's going to be myself and, uh, for sure, Daniel Schwalbe. And then, uh, stay tuned for, for the third person, um, mystery guest, mystery guest, (laughs) (laughs) but that'll be fun. Um, so, so, you know, thank you to our listeners for, uh, for uh, listening to this episode and we hope to catch you again next week. Um, but thank you, Tay and Tim for, uh, for your gold guidance and grievances and your thoughts on, on the articles that, uh, that we've talked about today.
1: Well, thank you for guiding us through this, uh, thorny set of internet problems.
0: It's always gold to talk to you both.
1: Oh, uh, uh,
0: see what I did. <laughs> but seriously um so i guess um there's nothing left to do except for uh you know say say goodbye for now and we're gonna grab some some cookies probably for you know because we've made it made each other hungry but uh yeah thanks everybody and we will talk to you again next week on breaking badness stay safe out there
1: thanks everyone so long
0: That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at domaintools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com/resources/podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember: don't drink and click.